0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Lakeside Drive. In this episode, Daniel Ricardo is back and Red Bull gets their 12th consecutive podium. That's right. We are reviewing the hot, harsh Hungarian Grand Prix. I'm Freya Brolsma and I'm joined by none other than Thomas J. Camp. Campy, it's been a while. How are you?
1: I'm really good, buddy. How are you? We were just saying before the thing, well, I haven't spoken to you since, uh, it was before Melbourne, I think, it was Abu Dhabi Saudi at the start of the year, just after you got married. So, yeah, it's yeah, been
0: good. Yeah, we were all in person, which was good fun, but it has it has been a while. So, lots to catch up on, including this race, which is Oh, sorry, I have a mozzie just going kind to of trying to eat my eyes. <laughs> Fucking so caravan. Okay, so I'll say that again. Um, great podcast content here. I've got a mozzie attacking my face. Um, there has been a lot going on indeed since we last caught up and we've got no James Baldwin to keep us on track. What on could track. possibly go wrong?
1: <laughs> keep the language to a minimum too. <laughs> When we're talking about McLaren and strategies, bit stops. Never. And, <laughs> never,
0: never. Never. More to him. the better, <laughs> I think. <laughs> exactly. We're keeping you busy, James. All right, let's start with our broadcast review. Campy, you were talking about some pro F1, pro TV, pro activity. Tell us about what your experience was like.
1: Yeah, so last night I, I watched it with a friend and he's a bit of a, bit of a tech geek when it comes to that stuff. And um, for Australian viewers, we get F1 TV Pro for free um, through through the Foxtel subscription. That was a bonus that we had on last year. Now, the problem with it is you can only download the F1 app through the Foxtel IQ4 box, which means if you want to watch the data and tracking at the same time as the... As the, as the race, you actually can't do it unless you have a separate F1 phone account on your, uh, sorry, an F1 Pro account on your phone. So you can't do a split right. screen of the live race with all the live tracking. So it's like Foxtel said, yeah, we're giving you F1 TV Pro for free so you get all the access to the old races. But the reality is if you want to watch the race live and then, Take advantage of all the tracking and the map stuff, and the extra TVs. You need to pay for an account on your uh, on your laptop or your phone. So, thought that was a bit cheeky from them. But the uh, the platform <laughs> and the live the live tracking actually looked quite good, and I think it'd be great to have to be able to do it in a dual screen that way. So, yeah, it was good, but it was a bit cheeky at the same time. They didn't really. Give us the full picture when they when they said that. But, yeah, good product anyway. Just get a bit better. Stop being greedy, Formula 1. It's not so like it you has, don't have enough money.
0: Yeah, has potential but potentially trying to get a bit more out of your wallet than is essentially necessary. From a broadcasting perspective, do you have any thoughts on what we heard throughout the race, the anthem, all of our favourite things? Tommy T is not here to give his two cents but I'm keen to hear yours.
1: Oh, look, I quite like the national anthem was great, so it's good to have the, the what is it, a three three strings and a clarinet. So I'm not sure what that <laughs> is. What's that? Is that a quintet's a quarter? It's four of them. But anyway, no, it was great. It was good. I could not believe after Oscar Piastri's Pit Stop that British media was uh, not being biased towards Lando. I was shocked start talking about how Shox. unfair it is. And the, uh, the comment I made to my friend was, um, F1 has been just screwing over Australian drivers since Mark Webber in twenty ten it really started, but before that he had a bad luck, bad run of luck too. So yeah, a bit of a shame. But uh yeah, other than that, I thought it was pretty good. I I don't mind it. I don't hate it as much as James and Tommy sometimes. I I think it's I think <laughs> Martin's awesome. I love Ted. He's a geek. Crofty's funny. <laughs> I thought Danica was great this weekend. She's She's livened up a bit and, yeah, she's just come into her own a bit more, just grown in the role. It's been great. Even Nico wasn't hopelessly bad this weekend. His shirt selection. Debatable. Debatable. His hair's a bit, you know, come on, (laughs) mate, what are you trying to do? But the Euros, they're a bit strange anyway, so that's cool.
0: I agree that for the most part, the broadcast was pretty good. And like you, I was also shocked that we were getting some empathy for uh, Piastri with what was going on and also calling Lando out on some of his comments, which we'll get to when we do talk about McLaren in just a minute. One other thing before we get into our team by team analysis, which I'd love to get your thoughts on, is the tyre setup for this weekend so just for anybody who might not have picked up on all of the rules they had new tyre rules which they are calling alternative tyre allocations for this weekend so everyone has 11 sets of slicks instead of 13 the breakdown of which is third set three sets of hards four sets of mediums and four sets of soft now each car has to return one set of tyres after fp1 one set of tyres after FP2 and two sets of tyres after FP3, which leaves each driver or each car with seven sets for the qualifying and for the race. On top of that, for quality, all the teams had to use hard for Q1, medium for Q2 and softs for Q3. So they were also obliged to keep one set of hards and one set of mediums fresh for the race, all of which, the argument for this is that they're saving approximately 17 tonnes of carbon dioxide per race. So it's good for the environment, which is the argument in terms of why they're trying to get creative with this. First of all, it's a lot of detail to wrap your head around, <laughs> but it did throw up some curveballs and it makes tyre management for the whole weekend quite a, a mission. What do you think, Campy?
1: Oh, oh Look, as for the environmental factor, give me a break. 17 tonnes is... <laughs> A mere drop in the ocean compared to what we produce every day around the world, what F1 does, and they're trying to carbon offset it. I would hope, yeah, you know, I think that's, that's probably bullshit. There's a way that engineers and scientists can make these things sound more believable. No, but it takes a lot of energy just to get these these tyres and the process started up anyway. So they're measuring it from the start of that process to the end of the process or, you know, these things don't shut down for every tyre either. So are they taking that into account? You know, it's garbage. For me, I I don't think we need to change qualifying. The quality setup and the way qualy's worked has been excellent. We tried it in Melbourne, what, four years ago? I think it was Danny Riggs' first year, mm. 2019, and it didn't work. I, quality has been exceptional from day one. And since they've since we've gone to this method, we don't need to change it. We've already changed sprint races and practices a bit, you know, down from an hour and a half to an hour. I don't think we need to tinker with this stuff more. Qualifying is where we want to see the cars absolutely maxed out. Um, and I just I, I I don't understand why they're trying to change it. Anyway, that's that's my two pinks about it. I, they've changed the compound. Sh- They've changed the construction method of these tyres um, from Silverstone too. So haven't changed Mm. the compounds as such, but they've changed the way they've constructed the tyres. And Fernando tweeted about this this week. He said that in changing the construction, it's had a negative effect on the way it works on the Aston Martin, which would make sense because they really dropped off at Silverstone and they were well behind where they had been in... uh, this weekend, since the start of the year, but we've seen massive jumps from McLaren. So I wonder, yes, they've had the upgrades, et cetera, but maybe these tyre the the construction of it has helped out the way that the McLaren works and possibly taken some of the, you know, some of the top-end speed or the one-lap speed off Red Bull as well. So... I think that was an interesting decision to make, you know, mid, mid-season. But, um, hey, interesting. So it seems to have negatively affected the Aston Martin because their pace has gone from, you know, second-best car on the grid to arguably worse than Ferrari in the last three races, two races. So, yeah, it's not, not ideal.
0: Well, going from challenging for podiums and ultimately on the podium but challenging for, you know, firsts and seconds, to then all of a sudden saying points is the best we could do this weekend is a huge drop. That's not just, you know, we've lost pace or this track doesn't suit us. That's a massive drop in performance. And like you said, it's been paired with, at the same time, big jumps from other teams. So there's lots of variables there. But I think the interesting thing from Alonso in that tweet that you mentioned is the fact that he's saying no one's talking about this. Like why is nobody talking about the fact that we've had a significant variable change mid-season, which just doesn't seem, you know, appropriate or necessary and not something that people can really kind of plan for in the same way that they do with new regulations and that type of thing. Like, why are we doing this stuff mid-season? Which is a very good question from Alonso. So alternate tyre strategy is in the bin, according to Campy. But let's get stuck into our team-by-team analysis, starting at the back, a weekend to forget for Alpine. Unfortunately, a second time with a double DNF. And they've had a bit of drama recently with a little bit of shakeup in their senior staff as well. So we won't be seeing any Lauren Rossi hanging around anymore. He has been moved into a special projects role in the broader group of Renault. Um what were your thoughts? It's a I know you love probably love to see gasoline being booted from behind. But uh what do what do we what do they do with this, Camp?
1: Alpine, yeah, stru- st- structural. Structural reshuffles in Alpine. They, Alpine's a team that historically have had good results with Renault engines, right, through Red Bull years, 2005, 2006. And Danny Rick there, everyone talks about how bad those two years were. They were sensational years for Danny Rick and he outperformed mm. the car and the engine for it. So as for Renault, I'm not. They've underperformed from where they want to be. They're arguably probably the biggest OEM manufacturer or come from that biggest group in the world that we've seen. But they just, they lack the, they lack that extra 5% consistently where they need to be, you know, on track. So it's a shame. So for me, management structures are always bound to happen. I think the team was at best when uh, Cyril was there. So bring him back.
0: Mm.
1: I, I think it was the wrong decision to move him on. It's not that Otmar's done a bad job. He's very competent, but... You know, F1's one of these sports. You've got new teams or big acquisitions in Aston Martin for the last, you know, three years. They're, they're the biggest movers in the sense that taking all the IP from the top two teams in Mercedes and Red Bull. So there's not a lot, and McLaren also has invested massively in, in, in their back end and, and the staffing and, and taking a lot of that talent. So uh, as a worker... I know Alpine is still a destination because it's in the F1, but it's probably not the most attractive spot for these things as well. So, not saying that they don't get the best people, but they probably get the second and third of the of the top of the top cream of the crop that you know get these uh, that get these positions. So, management structures. While it's a shame when they're not performing, they have to make them. As for on track last night, geez, what a frustrating turn of events for them. Just. Oh. Turn one, both cars into each other, not each other's fault. Um, I do feel sorry for Gasly and Ocon because the reality is they're, what, fifth in the constructors at the moment and McLaren's coming for them faster than anything and McLaren will be in front of them with a snap of the fingers. So, shame for them. Uh Poor incident off the start. That was, that was a rookie error from Brian New Nguyen and unfortunately it cost both Alpines for it. So.
0: Yeah, I think when something like that is so far out of your control, it's a pretty difficult scenario to kind of try and wrap your head around. Apparently Ocon's seat actually snapped in half because of the impact of it hitting the floor because obviously he lifted up and then hit the ground very hard and that's that seat fitting actually snapped in half which you just think in terms of the impact on his spine and everything else would be intense. So he says that he's fine but you know, there's a difference between being 100% and kind of saying nothing's actually wrong, but I'm still in a lot of pain and very sore. So I would say he's going to be pretty sore going into Spa. So hopefully they can, uh, you know, do some physio and everything else this week to get him ready to go. Moving up, we've got Williams. Now, it was never going to be their weekend, I don't think. They looked at this track and said, it's not one that suits our car. It doesn't suit our setup. And Albon kind of said, look, thought points were, never something we were even thinking about. Sargent had a quick spin towards the end, um, which was not ideal. I thought it was kind of with like two laps to go, so he probably thought that everything was going to be all right and then all of a sudden just kind of he lost it over one of the sausage curbs there. And Albon in 11th, which arguably pretty good effort having come from 16th.
1: Well, uh, the beauty for uh, – it's not their track. You're totally right. The beauty for a team – like Williams is that the one opportunity to pass on this straight, you know, on that, on that, on that straight into turn one, they have a slippery gar. So they made life really mm-hmm. hard. I mean, even Sergeant, when Danny Rick was behind him in his first stint, Danny Rick was compromised because he, he sat behind him for 15-odd laps. In DRS, they just couldn't get past him. So uh, later yeah. on in the race too, uh, Albon held up, I think it was Holpenberg, you know, just because he had that pace up the straight, and and ruined the races of guys like Sonoda, who 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 were banking on getting past them, but once they came up behind them in the train, couldn't do it. Didn't have the speed, obviously, to to get in the points. There's a big gap. I think there's about a twenty-two second gap between Stroll, with the tenth place guy, and uh, and Albon. So there was they were never really pushing for points unless some incidents happened to those top ten cars. But um, as good as you can expect for a track like this. Albon, for me, is driving incredibly well at the moment. Uh, good qualifying again on the weekend, considering where the car's at. Uh, Sargent, you know I mean, he's going to be the next driver under pressure for the rest of the year, just because he's not getting the.
0: I think so, he's, yeah.
1: He's not getting the results he he needs against his teammate, but also he's not getting he's not getting the the results that that put him on the map. You know, Gasly got those results. Mm. Vettel got those results in Toro Rosso. Leclerc got those results in, in Sauber. And Danny Rick got on that. Alfred in uh, Toro Rosso too. So, you know, these are the things and Piastri's getting them at the moment on debut in their first years. They, they're making the headlines. Unfortunately for him, he doesn't have the car that will get him the headlines but he's not performing where he's where he's supposed to work, compared to his teammate either. So,
0: Yeah, and I think the thing is that the weekends that there is the potential for the car to be a little bit further up the grid, Albon is able to get it there and Sargent just isn't. So I think, like you said, he will be under pressure for this year and next. I was at um, Goodwood Festival of Speed and heard um, uh, Jensen Button talking there and someone in the audience asked him, if you were to have your own F1 team, which two current drivers would you put In it, and he said, Look, I know I'm associated with Williams, so maybe I feel like I have to say this, but absolutely, Alex Albon. He has such an amazing attitude, and not just for his own driving, but he is incredible at rallying a team around him and contributing really positively to a team and organizational culture, which I thought was just really interesting. He just said, He's like, you know, just one of those great guys, you know, he's doing really well to bring the team together and help unite it and it's that is absolutely contributing to the results that they're seeing because he's getting the best out of every single person who he's working alongside, which I thought was really interesting and not particularly surprising necessarily, but also just good to hear because I think we we like to think that we know what some of these guys are like and to hear someone who obviously works with him closely kind of reinforce, that was great. Interestingly though, the second person he said was Lando and so I can't support that in the slightest. So moving on and we will get to Haas who – had some moments of hope yesterday with Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg in tenth, um, in terms of qualifying position, but they just can't get their race pace together. Tire degradation, I think, was a pretty big issue for both of them. But K. Mag seems to be struggling significantly more than Hulk. What do you reckon? Yeah,
1: one lap, one 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 lap pace for that car. Low fuel loads on, you know, soft tires. Mm. Excellent. As good as you can hope, and that's probably just getting the most out of the Ferrari engine. Really, that's what's putting them up there. But they must have some aero too, which gives them, you know, some some good stuff. Yeah, it's it's a shame for them. Oh, we continue to see Hulk Q3 top ten. The reality is, once he gets mm. in the race, he's dropping right back, which is a shame. Uh, look, I think I don't think K Mac justifies his place in F1 anymore. Um, I was really, we were really happy to see him back last year. We thought it was a great move by Haas. They need they need some experience to, to guide Mick last year. And after having Mick and Nikita, uh, totally the right decision to make. Excellent. This year he's he's not performing. He's not where he needs to be. The car's not great either, but when your teammate's consistently out qualifying you like that, and then just says, yeah, it just says to me that there's not it must be a hard organisation to work for too. Jeez, just rocking up, promising the world. But, yeah, it's a, uh, Haas is an interesting... I just don't know why you would continue to... Oh, sorry. I do know why you continue to be in the sport. But, yeah, it's... The, the reality is, is there's not a lot to go racing for for them at the moment. And it's got to be difficult to get up every day and try and make a car quicker when you... What, Constantly being one and two (laughs) laps down at the end of the GP.
0: Well, exactly. Like you said, just the optimism that you've got to keep. You've got to have your own goals then. I think that's something that can be really helpful is as a driver, as a team, as an organisation, you kind of go, all right, knowing that we're probably not going to finish, you know, anywhere in the top literally ever with the exception of qualifying. What are our own goals as a driver, as a team, as an organisation, that you can try and work towards, but it also, like you said, not dissimilarly from an Alpine, it just means that they're never going to get their best talent to, in order to help propel them forward. But they're also just, you know, not the size of the organisation that we see with Mercedes with the Red Bull that's going to allow them to get forward. But I think what's interesting with them is. The things that you can try and improve on, we're just not seeing at the moment, and tyre deck just seems to be such a massive issue for them, as it is with the Ferraris as well. Um, and that's the type of thing we go, hopefully, you see some improvement on some of those things. K Mag kind of said, Look, we just have to sit tight, we've got some upgrades on the way, so we'll see how that goes. But you know, when you've got Hulk qualifying in 10th and you're in 19th, um, like you said, I think we have to start asking questions about whether or not you're the right person for that seat um, on the grid. Moving up, I have next on our list, Alpha Tauri, Daniel Ricardo. He's back. We were so excited and then shunted straight in the start.
1: <laughs> oh, before we go to the race, right, I'll have a chatted to you about. How do you feel about the whole situation? Do you obviously stoked for Daniel? Talk, tell me about your opinion on De Vries and you know, is 10 races enough? Did Red Bull make the right decision? Just talk to me. Just spitball. Feelings.
0: All right. All right. Feelings. We love talking about feelings, Campy night. So, look, I, I don't think it was fair in that I don't think it was long enough. So put aside any bias that I have for Daniel Ricciardo just for a second. It's not long enough to, let alone in your rookie season or with a new team, to show the potential that he has. And Sonoda has said, you know, when we're working together, he has the pace. He just needs a bit more time to develop his race craft in this car. You know, yes, he's a bit more experienced and we can say he's world champion from Formula E and that type of thing, but this is still his rookie season in F1. You know, this is the first time he has been racing consistently. And the other thing is that we talked about this with other people as well. It's been a really weird start to the season and you had all of these street tracks um, kind of front loaded um, and we had disrupted issues due to weather and cancelled events and things like that. And so you've had one of the most problematic or troublesome starts to a season and you're new and you're with a new team and you're struggling to come to terms with it. So, I don't think it was long enough for him to really show what he's got. I'm not saying there shouldn't be a question mark over him because you do have others like we've seen with Oscar Piastri who have come out guns blazing and immediately shown that they have what it takes to be on the grid and they are completely deserving of their place. He didn't really do that and I'll you know, granted, but he's also in a terrible car. Like and that's the big reservation that we have with Daniel coming back is that you have this conflicted and there's memes galore about this but you have this really conflicted feeling of he's back I'm excited hype train James is the conductor and <laughs> we're all going forward and then you remember that he's in the car which is probably going to finish you know just ahead of the houses and and Williams on a good day which is not exciting and I think the problem for that is that it, he needs to show what he's got and if he can help the team to bring the car forward then that shows the value that he brings to a team obviously we've talked about this before but the um the test that he did in the red bull at silverstone apparently went incredibly well so hopefully that has shown beyond his performance in the alpha Tower, whatever we get there that he has you know that raw talent that is still there and the hunger is still there but yeah, I think the whole situation was is just a little bit tricky. It is very classic Red Bull, though, and I think it was Lewis Hamilton who kind of said when they said, what do you think about this? He said, well, it's Red Bull. That's what they do. So why is anybody surprised? Um, so I'm excited to see him back. I'm anxious about his ability to perform in that car for the rest of the season. I hope that he feels like he is getting some fulfilment, though, in terms of being able to develop the car, and I hope that they listen to him because that was one of the big problems at McLaren, right, is going, are you willing to actually – listen to what the feedback that I have and and take this car forward.
1: Yeah. Uh, the only thing I would say is that yes it is ruthless from Red Bull, and they've done it before. But they've also welcomed these guys back. You look at the Kiviats, you look at the Gasleys, you get get the Albons. They have not just thrown these guys out to the waste pasture and said, Well, it's not your time today. They have they have Developed them later on. They've 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 let them in the team. With Albon, he you know stayed on an extra year with the team, and he was a bit of a mentor for the the other drivers. Kvyat got three chances with Red Bull, you know, being an AlphaTauri, the top team. They're back to AlphaTauri, so it is as as ruthless as it is. They do have a history, in particularly in the last five or seven years, of being very kind to drivers post that. I, I just I'm not sure that they. I'm not sure Yuki and uh, De Vries were hitting the targets that they needed to make. And for me, Danny Rick coming in and performing the way he did last night totally suggests that there is more pace in this car that is <laughs> that is there. And, I mean, to jump in with no experience in a car midway through the season and, and do what Danny Rick did last night was utterly incredible and I think it justifies the justifies the pace that, sorry it probably justifies their thought in which Yuki's underperforming the car as well so you we to... a mm. but good but a good teammate and a good driver assists and helps the younger driver to get better too because they know what they know where they should be and, and i'm not I'm not rag, i'm not making this a rag on Yuki fest but he's always had a question in my mind too because He didn't think he'd get the second-year drive, got the second-year drive and then Gasly left last year. And there's no way that team's going to go into a year blind without any raw data and where they should be and they need consistency in the information between the two. So Yuki comes in this year and, you know, now he's in his third year of F1 and really we're still not sure whether he deserved that second or third year. So it's interesting that Danny Mm -hmm. Rick came in last night and drove the way he did, even his race pace. Throughout the race to do 40 laps on that on that medium tire, and not only leapfrog the seven or eight seconds he needed to jump that whole queue that was in front of him when he did so on lap 30 to drive the pace home all weekend. It, for me, it's just a, it's an interesting look. So, but I was gutted after turn one.
0: <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Gosh. Yes. I I don't disagree necessarily that like. For example, we can say that, you know, they're throwing these, these drivers out without giving them enough of a chance to prove themselves. But you'd also say, you know, Yuki's already had two extra chances then he potentially should have been given. I was certainly somebody who after the first year was saying, well, oh, I don't know about this, like I like you as a character, but do you really deserve a spot on the grid? Especially when you had people like again, piastri kind of breathing down your neck, not that he necessarily would have wanted to go there specifically. Um, but it's tricky when you see people like that sitting on the sidelines as reserve drivers, knowing what they should be capable of and being held back. But I'm also all for, and I've said this before, letting people develop a little bit. I know there's not much space for that in this sport, but what we are learning this year is that with the age and the experience comes a lot of value and wisdom and, you know, your, your abilities kind of beyond just what's on track. It's how you're helping the team to develop, how you're supporting your teammate and all of those things. And I think we will see Ricardo be very supportive of Yuki because he doesn't, you know, he's not a threat. It's not as though Red Bull is saying, you know, Yuki is going to be our second driver next year and he's your new competitor. He's not. So I don't see why we wouldn't see those two working really closely together to see how collectively they can try and make the whole team perform better. But let's talk about the race and and Ricardo on track how heartbroken were you after Turn 1?
1: <laughs> oh, I was just, again, just Formula 1 gods are not being too kind to of the Aussies, you know, and it seems to be consistently having bad luck since, you know, I lived through the Weber days before 2010 and the Red Bull stuff. And then Danny Rick had a good short period for three years and then it seemed to be out the window 20, you know, 2018. So, oh, look gutted for Danny Rick, didn't do anything right, didn't get the greatest start, got smoked by one of the uh, Alpines on the outside but, you know, made that move on Kwan Yujo mm. because of his terrible reaction. Rookie from Guan Yujo, you shouldn't make, you shouldn't be making those mistakes at this level but they do happen. So, but I think the race recovery, we didn't see a lot of it. I did on F1 TV Pro, I did ride along with Danny Ricardo with the commentary in the background for about four or five laps. Mm-hmm. So... Um, not that we heard much of that, but it was just good. To, it was good, great to have him back on the grid. I think he, I think he did more than what we expected him to do after the start that he had. As I was saying earlier, he got he he actually had pretty good pace. Um, I think he probably could have beaten Albon. Whether or not he got to the points with 11, there was a big gap. I don't know if he had another 25 seconds in that car to get into the points. I think he's a bit like Albon, yeah. where he he was probably. Ex- he would have. He may have given the right opportunity. He's got some points. If some more things had happened in the top ten, but um, showed really good race pace, great control. You know that 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 pit stop. He'd come up behind um, Sargent, and he just couldn't pass him in the DRS. He sat there for five or six laps in the first stint. Then you know that second stint after he pitted, he got right back to the rear of, of, of Sargent, and then they just decided, you know what, let's just bite the bullet. And try and undercut them massively, and he did. He jumped the four or five positions that he needed to, and forty laps on the on the medium is is a great race racecraft and good result to be back where he started. So, yeah,
0: agreed. I think he did as well as we could have expected. Obviously, that kind of held him back in terms of that that lap one incident. But he said he felt pretty good in the car. He said it feels pretty balanced. The issue is they just don't have any grip or downforce. So you're going to see how they can help to figure that out. Sonoda finished in 15th started in 17th he did pretty well to avoid Logan's spin at the end there as well stayed out of trouble with that which was pretty lucky he was kind of coming through right behind him but as we've said you know he's now kind of got the challenge set to him right with Ricardo having now joined I think he's going to meet a new challenger as a teammate and in a positive way in terms of I think you know when you're racing against the best it's going to help you to push forward that'll help him to be a better driver but you know, that is that is going to be have to something that he thinks about in terms of, you know, showing that he also deserves to be on the grid. So we'll see how they go next weekend in Spa. But Danny Rick is back. We're very excited about it. Let's talk about that poor start that you just mentioned with Guan Yu Joe. So just quickly I wanted to read a quote from here. He said, I was on full throttle, and then all of a sudden, something went wrong, and I had to do the entire procedure again just in order to do a proper start. So it sounded like it was some sort of like anti-stall situation. Not quite sure what was going on, but what a disaster!
1: Yeah, well, look, there's so many things these guys have got to manage. They got to manage, you know, the the clutch, the clutch temperatures, and I believe that. For clutch, at certain temperatures, it reacts quite differently. So every start's different, and that's gauged by the burnouts they do on their formation laps. And they've got to get the spins right. And it's not like we've got, you know, traction control on these cars like we do in our own. You know, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of talk going <laughs> through the rear wheels. So to get it right, and the consistency these guys get it right at is is staggering. As for as for Granny Joe, these things happened, right? It wasn't the greatest reaction time, but if he's saying that's what he had to do, redo the whole process with, you know, three seconds to go to get it right back. Still probably better than ninety nine point nine nine percent of what us mortals would have done in the same situation. So mm. it's good he got moving. The last thing you want is for a car to stall on the grid and not move forward. So yeah, shame for him
0: big Shame for him, and everyone was so excited after their qualifying yesterday. And yeah, Bottas we would we'd jump talk about him again. Everyone was just so glad to see them both through to Q3. Um, for Joe, it was the first time this season, but the tricky thing with that start as well was then Bottas was right behind Joe, and so had to avoid him at the start. So all of a sudden, you've got two Alfa Romeos, you know, having to avoid a team on team crime,
1: yeah. And then it ruined Bottas's racing the end too because he's caught up in that incident going into. Into turn one, not as badly, and not as effectively, but anyway, mm. Shame for him, shame for the team, shame for Guarn. But again, they're in that, they're in that fight with your Haas, your Williams, and and your Alpha Tauri, and that's really their, where their fighting's at. I watched a lot more of them last night because I was interested in it. You know, just with Danny Rick being back, and you know, there's there's six potentially eight cars in that in that the the big gap between the top five or six teams. So, yeah, it, it's it's hard to watch them in those lower positions, but it's actually pretty good racing. We just don't see enough of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, look, I think it was just great to see them qualifying well, to see something come out of their weekend when they have been struggling so much. We like both these drivers. Bottas is obviously an honorary Australian, um, and it was great to see some positives coming out of their qualifying weekend. It was just such a shame because it felt like that all that potential just got thrown away with that start, which I'm sure he'll be wanting to understand as much as anything um, to make sure that doesn't happen again, to see if it was a technical thing or if it's something that he could have avoided too. We do see these things happening and hopefully that doesn't happen again for him. Moving on to the most beautiful car. I saw a one of their cars at Goodwood, the Aston Martin, that racing green, face to oh. face. It's so beautiful. It's so pretty. Do you know who's not Lance Stride? <laughs> I have no notes for <laughs> him this weekend. <laughs> 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 allegedly, not, not allegedly. pretty.
1: <laughs> not pretty enough. For like Casey
0: Chambers vibes, uh, or just, just a not- dumb <laughs> Can we please get? Can we please get some karaoke going? No, look, I just he's just not doing enough. I don't think to justify his spot on the grid. Now, yes, you can say he was right behind his teammate, so they finished ninth and tenth with Alonso ahead of him. But over the course of this season, he—if there's one driver right now who has big question marks for me—it is Lance Stroll.
1: Yep, totally. I've, I've I've ranted I've ranted about Stroll in the last three weekends. I think enough. I don't think that people need to hear it again. <laughs> At some point, you got to make the question: When Alonso was getting results, he was nowhere. Yes, he's getting a yeah. tenth this week, double points finish ninth and tenth. But clearly, that car's been affected by something, um, mm. and it's you know it's clearly the tyre construction, which is which is not good. Um, but Lance. You know, he hasn't improved or it doesn't look like he's in, improved or got any worse since the tyre construction, It's it's because he's not driving the car fast enough. So, yeah. Move on from that. It's a shame. I love seeing Alonso <laughs> up the front. I want Alonso. Yeah. I want him to win a race. I want him to be up there on the podium. Great driver. He's they ruined by fantasy yeah. league, so I've got no chance of winning anymore. I need to sub them out. I Haven't thought about it. I thought about it on the way home last night. Jeez, I, I need to get him out. But ah, oh, uh, frustrating. Frustrating for us. He tonight.
0: had a strange. He had a strange moment though, Alonso. In one of his pit stops, he came off the brake, and it looked like it was actually pretty lucky not to hurt anyone. We were listening. I was watching the um, the F1 show afterwards and they were saying that's actually a very easy way to lose a finger for a poor mechanic. Um, it does it does happen and apparently it's quite easy to do, which again, as you, you were saying, is a good reminder as to how much these drivers are actually trying to do in any given second with the amount of information being thrown at them and things that they need to do. But we saw a few little incidents here and there this weekend. We had some really slow pit stops. We had Alonso coming off the brakes in his we had Joe start, it was actually quite a good reminder of just how much goes on in a race and all of these little things that can happen.
1: Yeah, it sounds like the clutch must have been engaged. So the rear wheel was turning. Was that what you're talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, so
0: I think so. Yeah,
1: yeah. I know, I know there's a rule in the V8 supercars where you. Once once the car comes up on the jacks, if the tires are moving, you get a penalty for safety. Not that I think we should bring more rules into F1, by the way, but yeah, you're right. Would be disastrous <laughs> for those mechanics trying to put their put their hands in there on a on a, on a gun. So mm. um, yeah, we did see a lot of incidents this weekend. Just little, not not massive stuff, little stuff, just minor. The realities of this sport, you know, how much we get away with the times, but then when it does go seriously wrong does go seriously
0: wrong. So Moving on to Ferrari where things also went wrong, particularly for Charles Leclerc, who started in sixth, finished in seventh. He was, was someone who had a really slow stop. I think he lost about seven seconds on his first pit stop. And then the next one where we're all kind of waiting with bated breath to see what could go wrong, he did it to himself and was speeding in pit lane. When can we start seeing Ferrari pull it together and what's going to happen if they don't?
1: This is the joke that just keeps on giving. It just gets to the point where it, <laughs> it baffles me for that an organization with the intelligence and the smarts, and the people behind the clothes that continue to stuff this stuff up regularly. And pit stops can happen with guns, not. That's just the reality of, you know, human whatever. I don't know what the right word yeah. is, but that's the reality of where we're at. As for strategy and speeding in pits, well, come on dude just don't do it just get better that's from but Ferrari Ferrari again this weekend in Silverstone even uh, Austria they dropped right off the pace in the race distance so over the race pace I would suggest that again they're a bit more like an Aston Martin with this new tire construction I'm putting everything down to this tire construction mm. by the way because um, <laughs> it's just well no but we know we know Ferrari's degradation has been worse. Than most mm. other teams all year, yeah. and it may have something to do with the Ferrari engine and where it's placed within the car. That just you know because Haas has the same degradation problems. But since this you know the last two weekends they've been nowhere. Like what did mm. what did they come seventh and eighth or sixth and seventh?
0: So they were seventh and eighth um, this weekend, but that was partially like Leclerc should have been in six but fell to seventh because of his the, pe- penalty. the penalty.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, look at Mes- look at Mercedes pace in Russell's last stint. Yeah, yeah, it's mind-boggling that that car came back to life the way it did. But, yeah, for Ferrari, mm-hmm. they, they're they dropping. So it's a shame for them. But oh, when do we start seeing them? I mean, this is leclerc's fifth year in Ferrari. Went there in 18. So yep. 18, 19, 21, 22, 23. So when do we start having question marks around these two drivers and will they deliver us a world championship? I know he has got the reputation. Is the reputation justified, but just not getting the results? And at some stage, Ferrari is going to start to uh, play a message out about their drivers and replace them. And, you know, it's great because guys like Lando, I think Oscar's the better choice than Lando long term, but Lando has that. that Please don't
0: go to Ferrari, Oscar. (laughs) If you're listening, please don't go to Ferrari. (laughs) It's where world champions go to (laughs) die.
1: But Lando's already got a pre, pre-arranged like, formal contract framework. With, you know, the next person that, they'll, that they will uh, possibly sign. It's just, not, it's just so they can't negotiate with other teams. I think that's the purpose mm. of it. They get first dibs on him. So interesting when that'll happen.
0: Carlos Sainz didn't actually have a shocking race. He started in 11th and finished in 8th. He's apparently taken on a new role as lead strategist, making his own calls, and he had a pretty good first stint, but then the car kind of fell away after that. Like you said, degradation seems to be affecting them in a way that it does not others where you have, like you said, Mercedes coming back to life, they're falling away. And if, you know, you're starting to push it in the last, you know, if you're closing laps of a race, you can't have your car falling away. It needs to be building up if that's what you're trying to to chase. So we'll see what happens there. I think it's just one of those things where you go, okay, there's human error and there's sometimes you'll get it right, sometimes you won't. But it just there's just always something that doesn't seem to happen at, at other teams. And like you said, I think from a driver perspective, that will always that will start becoming a question, I think, as to who's going to be able to deliver them a world a world champion. And I and how patient the two drivers who are there are going to be. Moving on to Mercedes. So we had obviously a lot of excitement. Hamilton on pole didn't actually have a terrible start. Initially it kind of looked like he did. He didn't have a terrible start. It's just that Max's was better. And then he kind of got run wide. He had wheel spin and then that's when the McLarens got their opportunity and absolutely took hold of that with both hands. And I think to actually hold on to fourth is a pretty good effort.
1: Yeah. Interesting... Interesting race for Hamilton. Not the greatest start, which you can forgive. You can forgive that at times. The thing for me was the first stint was great in the sense that they, you know, Hamilton hung on to Lando for that first 17 to 19 laps, whatever it was, and it wasn't a big gap. You know, It was three seconds and, you know, he was consistently able for the, those first 10 laps to drive within the second and a half and we know what that's like following a car for that long, and your degradation on tyres, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So to hold on like that, it was the second stint where they lost that. You know, he lost that 12, 15 seconds through to through to um, uh, Piastri really quickly, and you
0: mm-hmm. know
1: the car just went into a bog. But it was like in that the car came alive again towards the end of the end of the race. So that third stint, they just. You know he's pulling in Perez at the end. He made a big run in that in that the back half of that second stint. So maybe fifty percent of fuel capacity, made a run. up you know with with Perez, Perez in front of him, they ran Made a run at Piastri and closed that gap gap down really quickly. And and you know if he had have had a couple laps more, you'd never know what happens. Whether he gets Perez or not, because Perez clearly had managing an issue towards the end. So George was great to solid drive, unfortunately, I mean, he can make a mistake in qualifying for me and, you know, the car wasn't great on the hards as we saw in the race too. So, <clears throat> you know, the problem with the qualifying is if you've got to use, you know, the the hards and the mediums and the softs in the respective qualifying sessions, what I don't like about that is that tyres are such a big variable and we want these cars to mm. go fast and Don't make them use all the compounds in the respective qualifying things because some cars aren't good on the hard but they're way better on the soft. So why would you hamper their ability to start further up the grid? And it just happened with Mercedes. Because you've got to save the
0: turtles, Campy. That's why. It's all about saving the turtles. (laughs) No, George was extremely unfortunate in qualifying because he was just out of sync with the rest of the traffic and got overtaken by the others, and his prep lap was no good. So, while he was trying to get heat into those hard tyres, and he got others came through. And so, he was just out of sync with the rest of the field. And to be fair, he didn't blame anyone else. He didn't say they shouldn't overtake with me, general's agreement, crap. I like most of the other English, especially in the cricket recently. Um, <laughs> he was just said, look, it's. It's just one of those things I probably would have done the same thing if I had that opportunity to get out of traffic and make a run for it. So I think that was a bit of bad luck but I think he really made up for it today. You know, 12 places on a track that is, you know, they were all comparing to Monaco without the barriers in terms of its overtaking difficulty is no small feat. So even a lot of our Discord Uh, members were pretty shocked at their own respect for his driving this weekend for people who are not huge fans of George Russell, uh, especially as much as he is of himself. So everyone was very impressed by his effort this weekend. Moving on to the papayas and we have Oscar Piastri. What an epic, epic start. But before we get to Piastri, hey, Campy, tell me how much you love Zach Brown.
1: Oh, mate. Oh, oh, I cannot handle that loss. Fun Weber, I'm on the phone and I am raging at the strategist right there. Absolutely raging. I'm going, oh, number two driver and you know, where was the crash he had with Vettel? I'm going full back to old school Weber days talking about strategists. What is happening? I can understand that I understand that they were trying to, because Piastri had that. Two or three second gap on uh, Lando. And I understand they were trying to cover off on Hamilton's pit stop so that they didn't jump in. But it just wasn't warranted given the fact that they were ten seconds up the road within three laps of, you know, of uh, Norris's pit stop. They didn't need to do it. Now what frustrates me is that it for the us the viewers, and I've definitely got my tinfoil hat on here. For me, it just says the team <laughs> is giving the team is giving Lando priority, and I don't like that. It's always been in this sport. If you're in front, you get the strategy call over your teammate, and we don't allow overcuts or undercuts when we know it's going to work. So it's frustrating. Oscar in his post-race interview was was uh, he was. The epitome of a consummate professional. Great result for the team, as for him and the way he drove. He said, "I had a great first in. The reality is, it doesn't matter if I came out behind Lando because, you know, I was 25 seconds behind him. From, didn't have the pace. You know, didn't have the pace. Now, uh, now he was. He did have some floor damage, and he was nursing some small issues too, which, um, which I presume was the fact because if you look at the pace difference in. Uh, back in um, Silverstone, was med- it was minimal. It wasn't even there. Seven seconds over a race, it's nothing. And, you know, with the safety car and Lewis and stuff happening, they were very consistent. So I actually thought that there was something wrong with his car and he's nursing it to, to get it where it needs to be because he ne- he's never been that far behind Lando all year. So unfortunate that he didn't get it. Unfortunate that he didn't get the strategy and pissed off that Lando got it and piastri didn't, but that's just the reality of where our sport goes. Just a composed drive though, right? Super. I'm really impressed with the kid. He's not Danny Rick for me. He's not he's not the funny, flamboyant, happy-go-lucky, big smile. He does to
0: be though. Like that's not his character. And if he tried totally. to be somebody else, it wouldn't be right either. Yeah,
1: he would come into his own. I'm, I'm really wrapped for him. Yep. For me, he's the behind Lando, he is probably what the – top three cars on the grid are looking for in the next generation of driver it. if it's me you take Oscar long term over Norris considering he's only had 11 races and he's getting the results he's getting and you know he's clearly getting shafted by his team so um yeah, he's playing second fiddle, rot. So for me, he's the better driver to take long-term. He's got more potential than Lando.
0: It just makes sense, allegedly. It allegedly makes <laughs> a lot of sense that they would be putting their effort into Piastri long-term, but it's just not what we're seeing. And so while we have Zach Brown allegedly pre- preferencing Lando Norris, Lando Norris, they're not racing for anything, was just one of the most silly complaints about backmarkers that I have heard, and I have to say, doesn't happen very often. Hats off to Crofty who said it wasn't that long since you were there, Lando. So, <laughs> and then he went off and broke Max's trophy. He like, and but the thing about the uh, this actually annoys me. The thing about the trophy incident. So, if you haven't seen it, he smashes his champagne bottle down on the top step, which allows him to get a massive his That's great, but. Where Max always places his trophy, which we can see now because there's been a few, we can see the trend, he always puts it down to his right-hand side. And at Silverstone when Lando did his champagne bottle, the trophy fell off the step and everyone, people actually posted saying careful about this next weekend because that trophy in Hungary is not going to survive the fall from the top step. And then he literally went and did it anyway. And I'm not going to suggest that he did it deliberately or even thought about it. But after you make comments like they're not racing anything, I choose to believe that you allegedly did. So, sir, you need to learn your lesson.
1: We've seen his childish, like, (laughs) personalities come out and drive to survival. I haven't actually seen it. I've just heard it from you guys. So there you go. I'm not a big fan of Lando Anyway, (laughs) for me, he's a bit cheeky.
0: As an Aussie,
1: I'm building up that rivalry just like the Ashes. And you know what? We played shit in the fourth (laughs) test. And you know what? Because of your (laughs) shit weather, we still retain the Ashes, couldn't care less. And that's just how I feel about Lando at the moment.
0: You'll love this, Campy. I was actually at the fifth day of the Lord's test and we did, um, we got a bit anxious beforehand because we're like, we might not even get any cricket because it's obviously the last day. We'll see how it's going. And then we got one of the best days of cricket test cricket that I've ever seen. However, we, we're also keeping a pretty low profile because after, you know, that incident about sportsmanship, anyway, uh, we Ugh. kind give of get our heads down. Except the problem, the problem, Campy, is that I was wearing my RM Williams and uh, so I was give walking the stands <laughs> and someone literally yelled at me and they're like, nice shoes, you dickhead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, just bring up Prince Andrew, you and- dirty bastards. <laughs>
0: let's not let's not do (laughs) that but moving (laughs) moving on to our top team for this weekend red bull 12 consecutive wins for red bull racing 250th podium and verstappen took his seventh consecutive win 44 in total he said it was his perfect race campy can anybody knock this guy off the top step besides lando norris with his champagne bottle
1: Look, oh, hey, awesome, great, you know, records records are made to tumble at some stage. This car is exceptional, The by far the fastest car that we've probably ever seen race, race Formula 1. Um, excellent from Newey and, and co, but Max in the wheel makes it right. We, we, you know, Checo in that car is not doing the same things, but for Max to win by 32 seconds... Where he's under pressure on a one lap pace, they may have sacrificed a bit for that race pace. But yeah, what what more do we say about them? I I'm not sure what else we can say. We've said it all, and we'll just continue to say it all until they start losing and and critiquing them in the smallest ways. Max, I think, is probably the you know the best driver I've I've ever seen. I can't compare him to the centers and. and and the Schumacher's is at their best because I just I wasn't old enough to take an in and I didn't really know what was happening. But for me, Verstappen is clearly that. You're too
0: youthful, Campy. Oh, maybe
1: I am. I don't look at but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not in that tinfoil beanie. But he closed this race with the largest winning margin since Lewis Hamilton at Russia in 2021 of 33 33.5 seven, three, one seconds, which is just amazing. And it it is interesting listening to Max talk about the records because they kind of say like, what do you think are records important to you? And he kind of says, well, yes and no. It's such a different sport in comparison to those days in that it's much the margin between teams is so much smaller now. They're all so much more competitive. But you know, the cars are so unreliable then, you know, now when we have a DNF from a reliability issue, people really work quickly to figure that out. And so they just didn't have the race finishes, the number of race finishes. So for them to achieve those just by luck of actually getting through the race was so much more significant. So I think he puts good perspective on that when, it come, when he gets asked about how he feels about it. But Perez, so he started in ninth, finished in third, a pretty epic drive, which everybody agreed with, in that he got driver of the day. Unfortunately, you don't get any points for that. He had to work hard for it, but I think the question is, should he have been ninth in the first place?
1: Well, look, oh, getting on a podium in Formula 1, that's great. Good on him. For me, I I look at – and I'm, I'm not just being critical of Checo because I want him in, because I want Danny Rick in this seat. I'll preface by saying this. For him qualifying ninth, is unacceptable in the car that they're in. If your teammate's putting it on pole consistently and you are not within two tenths behind him, then – you're having a bad day, and if anything more than two and a half tenths is a bad day for me. So, right, he's had six qualifiers, and you know where he hasn't made Q three. He's finally back in Q three, gets it in nice. Not a not a great start considering the pace that you know the Hamiltons and Landos and cars that he should be beating consistently on track. If Max is thirty five seconds up the road on. You know, on Lando Norris, who had a pretty uneventful race when he was in that position. Checo is the kind of guy, he should be in second. Now, I know he charged hard up there, but regardless, he should be in second behind Max wherever he starts on the grid, the way that these guys can move through the field. I think Brundle and Co were on a, they were trying to sell this guy like he's back and this was the defining drop. What a load of shit. This was a defining drive, and if Max had been in ninth, Max would have been top three by lap 20, made all the passes he needed to pass, and then charged on up the grid after Checo if he was in front and charged him down like we've never seen before. The reality is Checo is not, that was not a defining drive. Yes, he made some good moves, but in a car that is that good to be underperforming the way he is for the last seven rounds, no it's just garbage to me that that what we heard from Brundle was disgusting.
0: The consistency is problematic, like you said, and he—you can't just kind of disappear for a bunch of races and then come back and say I'm I'm back again. And he had to work hard for it. You know, he had some pretty close battles with Alonso with Hamilton. And I think the problem with that, while we can appreciate it, it's great racing and it gives us something exciting to watch, and so that's a good thing when you have a mixed grill, is that you know that you're going to get some good overtakes hopefully in the process. But it also increases the risk for the team so much more significantly. So so, for example, that first overtake that he had with Alonso, I was like, what if there had been damage then? You know, what if someone had driven somebody else off the track? What if somebody crashes? You know, you're increasing the risk that it's going to take in order to get yourself back into a podium position, which is problematic for them because, you know, obviously they don't, you don't want that. There's so many variables already. Can we not have you qualifying down the back? I think he had, after he kind of started having his issues with the traditional circuits, I think the problem is that it's very difficult to get that out of your head that I can't race in these types of circuits and needs to get something right in order to do the work to feel more confident on these types of track because, yeah, sure, great drive and I agree with with that in terms of saying, yeah, but you shouldn't have put the team in that position in the first place. It is his first podium in Hungary, which is an interesting stat for you, but ultimately now I think, you know, this is his seat to lose really, so oh. he's got a bit of work to do.
1: And you can't tell me this team hasn't had discussions about Daniel Ricardo behind closed doors. We got some more information coming out about Daniel's test this week and it was by lap 10 in that car that he set the, set the record for he set the time that would have put him on pole position, but from all due accounts, they were like, "All right, mate, we know you want to go faster and you can go quicker, but we actually have to do some testing for next year's compounds. So let's just back it off yeah. and start getting the <laughs> yeah. results we need. We've we've seen all you can do, and from all accounts, they pegged him back. He, you know, he, from all accounts, from the inside information that I had from somebody who will know." who will rename nameless? that he could have gone quicker than Max for that pole position time, just feeding himself into it within, you know, and he's on it within, you know, six laps in it. So I think there's 100,000% conversations going on behind closed doors about um, Danny Rick taking over that seat next year. Max clearly wants him there. It would be nice for Daniel to finish out, might get two years there and then, hey, maybe, Maybe Red Bull take a piastri so they keep that Australian run going through Mm. them in the drivers and you never know what
0: happens. That wraps up our team-by-team analysis. I'm interested, Campy, though, from you, who was your driver of the day?
1: Max, hands down, easy. And Danny Rick, close second. (laughs)
0: And just just a disclaimer. I was waiting for that to be added. I was like,
1: really? Are we just going to leave
0: it at max? Are we, that, are we actually that boring? Come on, no. James is not here. Have some fun. You can do things. No parents. No rules. <laughs> just oh. throw it out there.
1: <laughs> We've been pretty good, actually. I haven't dropped an F bomb yet. We have, have been I. very good. Oh, good,
0: good. We are professionals, Campy. Um, all right, let's move on to Discord comment of the week. And now it's time for the Discord comment of the week. Poll position for our comment of the week is allegedly, purely because of its prevalence within the conversation and that made me laugh out loud. So that is our winning comment of the week. In poll position, P2 for Discord comment of the week is find someone who loves you the way George Russell loves himself. (laughs) 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 Which... (laughs)
1: Very
0: good. Very good indeed. This morning was an absolute joy on the Discord. Thank you, everybody who is in that group. It is just a very fun place to watch and be part of the community when it comes to Formula One. Campy, next week, spa, what are you looking forward to the most?
1: Oh, this is just o Rouge, that first shot of o Rouge every year into is It is iconic, it is picturesque, it is beautiful. I'm sure we'll talk about the changes that some drivers want made who won't be on the grid long term anyway. So, oh, look, this is our favourite track of the year. It is, you know, the, the the elevation changes, the long straights, the high speeds. You know, it can be raining up at the top, bone dry on the bottom. Oh, it's the most picturesque track we have and it's probably if you are looking for photos of an F1 track and this is it and uh, it always produces good racing too so can't wait
0: you heard it here first it is allegedly our favourite track on the calendar thanks so much for joining me and thank you everybody for listening if you want to support the show you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts on Spotify wherever you get your podcasts or you can jump onto our website and get some merch but the very best way you can support the show is by leaving us a rating and review. Five stars, that's all we need. We don't ask for much. Campy, see you next weekend for your allegedly favourite track. Well,
1: cheers, buddy. Good to chat. It's
0: awesome.
1: <laughs> just give me two seconds, Fray. I have been able to see you for about five minutes. The dogs ripped the HDMI out of my uh out of my screen. Okay. So give me I will answer and I'll get James to edit out, but I'll just get it back for me. <laughs>